It's the Progress Pod, a production of the Franklin County Coalition for Progress. I'm Pete Mazzoni with Jeremy Kate. As we are learning, democracies are fragile. The allure of power and the desire to maintain it is a deep-seated part of our human nature. Our history is full of instances where those in power were unabashed in trying to subvert our democracy in order to retain control. Famously, in 1812, Elbridge Gerry signed a bill that redistricted Massachusetts to the benefit of his party. When mapped, one of the contorted districts in the Boston area was said to resemble the shape of a mythological salamander, the gerrymander. We're recording this show Thursday, June 27th, as the Supreme Court hands down its decision on gerrymandering, and we'll be touching on that in the show. But joining us by phone today to discuss how bad the problem is here in Pennsylvania and what we need to do to fix it, we have Lex McMillan of Fair Districts, PA. Thank you for joining us today, Lex. Well, you're very welcome, Pete. It's a pleasure to do so. I'm glad to be with you and appreciate the opportunity. That's great. So before we went live here, we were talking about the Supreme Court decision. Uh, give us your take on that. Well, it's very preliminary because it literally is very coincidental, but it, happened, it came down today. And so um, over the last uh, couple hours, I've been reading the decision. It's about a 40-page decision, so I can't say I've read every word with care. And just before this call, I, I got to uh, a few pages into uh, Justice Kagan's dissent. It was a 5-4 decision. Uh, Justice Roberts uh, wrote the majority opinion. And um, basically, they were, they were um, dealing with a case that a lot of us involved in this uh, reform effort hoped might provide a foundation for um, reform and some guidance from the, from the, the, the highest court that it might provide a, a framework for um, going forward and, uh, and re- needed reform in the issue of uh, gerrymandering and, and uh, redistricting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, the, the, the Supreme Court, in a 5-4 decision, has simply punted, um, basically says um, they were dealing with um, two extraordinarily flagrant, probably the most flagrant, if you leave aside Pennsylvania, which um, certainly um, should be in the running for among the most um flagrant political gerrymandering. Um, but the Supreme Court uh, punted and uh, basically said it's a political issue and we really can't get into it. There's no foundation for deciding what uh, what's fair. Uh, and besides that, the founders really never envisioned that elections would be fair, that there have been unfair elections from the beginning. In fact, gerrymandering even goes back before um, uh, the example you cited, um, mm-hmm. Albert Carey. Um it was it was present even in, in colonial times, and um, so it's it's almost like it's, it's a great American tradition, and um, uh, and the founders were aware of it, and the founders uh, left it to the state legislatures to battle it out, and um, and there's no foundation for a Supreme Court, no matter how um, outrageous the uh, political gerrymandering is, um, there's no no foundation for us getting involved. So they kind of punted, or as uh, Justice um, um, Kagan wrote. Uh, I'll read you just a little bit at the very beginning. She goes, she goes, for the first time ever, this court refuses to remedy a constitutional violation because it thinks the task beyond judicial capabilities. And not just any constitutional violation, the partisan gerrymanders in these cases deprive citizens of the most fundamental of their constitutional rights, the rights to participate equally in the political process, to join with others to advance political beliefs, and to choose their political representatives. Mm-hmm. 
They have debased and dishonored our democracy, turning upside down the core American idea that all governmental power derives from the people. Well, Roberts wrote in, he he acknowledges the following, that excessive partisanship and districting leads to results that reasonably seem unjust. So he goes ahead and admits that it's an issue, but then he follows up with the fact that such gerrymandering is incompatible with democratic principles does not mean that the solution lies with the federal judiciary. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, I mean, that, that's his argument. And of course, uh, they got the votes and, uh, yeah. and that's the way it works. Uh, and so it's back to the drawing board in terms of any hopes for looking for, um, a remedy from the Supreme Court. And, 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 and frankly, Pete, um, that, that's not all bad, uh, because, uh, there is, there is reform going on both in Pennsylvania and beyond. Uh, there is a growing public awareness of this problem. Um, a little kind of micro example. I've now worked uh, the polls the last three elections, um, uh, asking uh, uh, voters to sign a petition, just a simple petition, saying that they supported the creation of an independent redistricting commission uh, to take gerrymandering um, off the table and to take uh, take it out of the hands of of, of the politicians. Um, and I've gotten wonderful response on this. Uh, this most recent one is of course it was kind of an off election, so we. I worked at um, a poll here in Adams County, um, actually my polling place, because I've met friends and neighbors there. And um, in the course of about, a, actually seven hours, I spent about five hours in the morning and a couple hours in the evening um, um, intercepting voters and asking them if they knew about gerrymandering, if they'd heard about Fair Districts Pennsylvania, would they be willing to, to sign my petition supporting the creation of an independent uh, redistricting commission? And I got, um, in seven hours, I got 76 signatures. Now, in some ways, that may not sound very many, but you think, think about the math there. I'm there by myself. Actually, my wife helped me a little bit for the first couple hours, and she had other commitments. But um, So I'm standing out there for seven hours. I averaged more than 10 signatures an hour. Yeah, that's okay? good. Of course, that takes some conversation. You have conversations with people, but I would say I had maybe 90 conversations at the most. I didn't actually keep a good count, but certainly 90% of the people I talked to were more than eager to sign the petition. And it usually didn't take a lot of conversation. It'd be like, "Hi, have you got just a minute? I'd like to. I'd like to ask you if uh, I'd like to tell you how to make sure that your vote uh, counts." And that would kind of intrigue people. They go, "What are you talking about?" And I'd say, "Well, have you heard of Fair District Pennsylvania? Not so many people heard about that." And I would say, "Have you heard of gerrymandering? You, you familiar with the idea of gerrymandering?" Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Pennsylvania's really bad on that, isn't it? I go, "Yeah, it really is." And I, mean, I would explain to them who I was and what I was doing, and ask if they would sign the petition. They go, "Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let me sign that petition." Some people didn't even require that much explanation. You know, they'd go like, is this about gerrymandering? I go, <laughs> uh, yeah, actually it is. So I'll sign your petition, you know. Well, that's great. So there's a growing public awareness. Um, there's a growing political awareness. We have um, a great momentum since we started Fair District Pennsylvania back in 2016. I should say also that uh, Fair District Pennsylvania is a, is a, is a nonpartisan uh, citizens group established in, in early 2016. Uh, to support uh, reform, uh, particularly focused on the issue of gerrymandering, um, and uh, and we've made great progress. Uh, we, we we certainly have opposition, but we have um, some sixty five thousand signatures uh, on this petition I was describing. Now uh, we've got some forty five thousand people on our email list. We have um, a, ver- a variety of um, of um, uh, polls we've done, and interviews we've done, and studies have been done. We've got anywhere between 64 and 69 percent of the uh, surveyed Pennsylvania citizens support uh, redistricting reform. 
69%, in a recent study, 69% said they wanted an independent commission. We've now had um, 316 different governing bodies in Pennsylvania. You know there's a huge number. I think it's 2,500 or something. But 316 governing bodies across Pennsylvania have declared support for redistricting reform. That includes 20 county commissioners, so that's um, 20 county commissions. So that's about a third, almost a third of the county commissions. Mm-hmm. But all those governmental entities that have signed on to um, uh, the FDPA reform efforts uh, represent 8.8 million citizens, or approximately 68% of the population of Pennsylvania. So I find that a very encouraging stat. Um, we now, as you probably know, Pete, have two uh, pieces of legislation in the House. There's one in the Senate as well, but it'll muddy the water. I'll just talk about the two House bills. There's House Bill 22 and House Bill 23, both of which are designed to work together um, to create this independent commission. It's a little complicated, and if you want to read more about it or your, your listeners want to read more about it, they can find great detail on the FDPA website that goes into detail on it. But suffice it to say, it's a complex, time-sensitive strategy the good news is that House Bill 22 has 83 co-sponsors, has more co-sponsors than any other piece of legislation in the House right now. There are 66 Democrats and 17 Republicans. And House Bill 23 um, has 91 co-sponsors, 75 Dems, and 16 Republicans. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm encouraged by the progress we're making. There is certainly resistance, um, but we are making progress. Uh, and nationwide, there's progress. Um in the most recent election, November 2018, Michigan, Colorado, Utah, Missouri, all had um, um, ballot items where, uh, referenda, I think they were, where the, the, the uh, public approved the creation of independent redistricting commissions, all slightly varied, but based on our, our, our model. And, um, and Arkansas and Oklahoma have similar legislation on their, on their docket coming up in the election of 2020. So they've joined the half-dozen other states that already have put these redistricting commissions uh, in place. It's interesting to note also that one of the early proponents of the very kind of reform that we are advocating uh, here in Pennsylvania was uh, Ronald Reagan. And um, and he is, as you saw in the PowerPoint I shared with you, he was outspoken mm-hmm. in his indignity and, and, and outrage that um, gerrymandering was undermining um, uh, the, the integrity of our elections. Now, Reagan, of course, was concerned that in California at the time, uh, oh, the Democrats was doing it, favoring Democrats, yeah. just as is happening outrageously and and um, unashamedly in Maryland currently. And Maryland, yeah. of course, was one of the cases in which the Supreme Court, um, uh, the unblushing uh, kind of audacity of it, the, the, they they uh, uh, Stinney Moyer was one of the proponents. Uh, he called himself "I'm a serial gerrymanderer." Um, I mean, there's there's no attempt to hide it. There's no attempt to. You know, it's kind of like it spoils it. Hey, to the winner goes the spoils. Right. So you can, in Pennsylvania, for example, following the 2011-2010 um, census and 2011 redistricting, the gerrymandering was so outrageous that even though Democratic candidates got between 49 and 51 percent of the votes in the subsequent congressional elections, um, the congressional uh, delegation was uh, 13 Republicans and five Democrats. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, as you know, Pennsylvania is a fairly evenly divided state yeah. in terms of uh, Republicans and Democrats, which is why there's a great deal of national interest in Pennsylvania and why there have been these outside PACs that have come in and, and put huge amount of money. And, of course, there's no restriction on PAC money in Pennsylvania. The, the, our elected officials can take as much dark money as they want and not report it. Um, Pennsylvania has been a targeted state. Uh, to swing it uh, to to help the uh, in this case the Republican initiative 
to um, uh, dominate the House. Now, of course, that swung back the other way with the Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision uh, last year that declared the 2011 uh, redistricting unconstitutional. It was so jerry-rigged, so gerrymandered, um, that even though Pennsylvania is roughly 50-50 Republican Democrats, we wound up, of our 18 congressional seats, we wound up with 50, uh, 13 of them Republican, five Democrats. Okay? Yeah. Not but representative. Ultimately, a uh, slow process, um, the League of Women Voters brought suit and um, ultimately triumphed in the state court. And the state Supreme Court, Pennsylvania Supreme Court, went to the state legislature and said, go back and, and redraw um, uh, fair district lines. And the Republicans who controlled the legislature said, oh, well, we don't have time to do it. There's, there's, you're not giving us enough time. And uh, so, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was two-step process. First, they came back with a, a, re- a revised map. And the, and the Supreme Court goes, this is hardly any better than what we originally ruled against. Go back to the drawing board. And then the, then the Republicans go, oh, well, there's no time. Now we're out of time. You know, we, 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 we. In other words, they used a big chunk of time drawing a map that was just as partisan as one before. Then when the Supreme Court rejected it, and this is all really hardball naked politics. There's, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing naive about any of this. Right. And so the Supreme Court comes back and goes, okay, fine, we'll draw it ourselves. You don't have time, we'll draw it. Because the fact is, with, with, with sophisticating mapping technology now today, um, you've got high school kids sitting down drawing redistricting lines. I mean, it can be done um, in a matter of hours. Uh, if, if you want to do it fairly, if you want to really manipulate it and use sophisticated mapping technology and demographic technology, it should be irrelevant drawing the lines, um, then it does take a long time. It's much more complicated. So anyway, bottom line is Pennsylvania Supreme Court hired a map maker and said, okay, here's the way it's going to be, uh, to the howls of protest. I mean, the, the, the outraged indignity has been a little comical because it's got, here are these guys who are, who are dealing with the most unabashed partisanship, cynical political manipulation, and then when they, they lose a round, and admittedly, arguably a partisan Supreme Court decision, because now the Supreme Court has, has majority Democrats on it. Um, they, the, the, you, you, you would think they were all um, uh, virgins who had been raped by barbarians. You know, it's just like, <laughs> oh my, well, oh you my, really go for it with the analogies. <laughs> oh, my. It was, just, it was just, I mean, I had to laugh. I mean, I just, I talked to our local state representative, and he was just howling in protest. I said, hey, well, Dan, you know, if you guys had done your job, the state Supreme Court never would have done anything. Oh, there was never any time to do it. They didn't give us time. Oh, come on. Uh-huh, they didn't uh-huh. give right. No. Okay. Okay. Um, so, anyway, so that's where it stands. And the problem with it, two problems with it. One, it's no way to run a railroad. You don't want, you do not want the Supreme Court of a state drawing your district lines. It should be done under the oversight of your elected officials. It is, it is inherently a political process. It should not be in the state Supreme Court. And the best way to make sure that it never again goes to the Supreme Court would be to pass the legislation that we currently have in the state house to reform uh, the process and create an independent citizens redistricting commission that would uh, be responsible to the public, to be impartial, be transparent, and be accountable. Uh, and and then your other bill, HB 22, will amend the Pennsylvania Constitution. That's correct. Yeah. Um, HB 22, it, um, again, I don't know <laughs> how much detail this. I have a hard time keeping up with it, right? It's so complicated. But we have two different ways in Pennsylvania of drawing um, electoral districts. You've got one process for the congressional districts, and that's done by a five-person committee that um, represents the two um leaders in the majority party, the two leaders in the minority party, and then a chair that they are supposed to select. Well, because 
it's an inherently political process, they're never never able to select a chair. Right. So guess who's, who selects the chair? You probably know, right? The Supreme Court right. selects the chair. It gets okay? kicked up. As long as the Supreme Court is controlled by Republicans, the Republicans are in control. But this time around, when we come up on 2020 census, and if, if we don't change anything, if, if the status quo remains, then you're going to come up with the same situation, and the Supreme Court will pick a Democrat to be the chair of that. It'll be a three to three to two decision on the redistricting for congressional um, districts. Um, so that'll be again. So inaction on the part of Republicans will end up hurting them. It would certainly appear that way currently in Pennsylvania, and, and I, 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 that that message does not seem to be getting through, which is really odd because. We got two things that would be quite different in 2020 from 2010, and that is in 2010, the um, Republicans controlled the House, the Senate, the governorship, and the Supreme Court. Now, they do still control the House and Senate, but they don't have the governorship and they don't have the Supreme Court. And so the governor will play a key role in overseeing the legislation that will be passed to um, create new House state house and senate districts which is done by pure legislative process and is, and is just a civil law but the governor has a right of veto good and on the congressional side uh you've got a state supreme court that is now five uh, or majority republican majority democrat uh that would appoint the chair of the you know um, dark chamber where they do the uh, congressional uh redistricting so the time for action is now absolutely and, and this again the second problem not only did it Really, the Supreme Court intervening really, really annoy the Republicans in, in Harrisburg. I mean, the fury is hard to exaggerate. Um, really, really annoyed. Like little boys who got their hands caught in the cookie jar and right. got slapped hard. They are really, really unhappy about getting caught out. And, um. Well, they the stand other, to lose their jobs. Well, yeah. Well, the other, the other is that it's given the false impression, and maybe this is the best takeaway from this conversation, the false impression that gerrymandering got solved. The Supreme Court, because uh, I've talked, said, hey, didn't the Supreme Court solve that problem? I go, no, 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 no. A one-time fix, a Band-Aid mm-hmm. that is only good to 2020. When we do the 2020 census, then um, all bets are off. We're back to redistricting. And, and, and the current process is still in place. And without reform, it'll be the same game all over again um, with a slightly better picture of, um, of, of, of it not being a completely unfettered partisan process because of the Supreme Court and the governorship not being held by Republicans. Now, earlier you were talking about how sophisticated their techniques are. Let's let's talk about some of the techniques used, because on your website, uh, you do detail how this is done. So tell us about how that works. Yeah, well, um, there, there are two key terms. Uh, one's called cracking and one's called packing. Okay. It's a little hard. Uh, this is one that really does give itself to visuals. So just talking about it. But um, uh, cracking is basically taking some um, core group of um, voters who have something in common, and let's just say it's a group of Republicans. And instead of allowing them to be in kind of a contiguous um, um, uh, district where they might have some political power, a great example of this was the former Congressional District 7 up, up near Birch County, where I lived for 12 years is where I became very aware and involved about this. And you take them and you crack them. In other words, you, you draw the line in such a way that you diminish their um, political clout by, by um, scattering, them, uh, scattering them among several other um, uh, districts that have a majority of the other party. The other one is called packing, and that is to take 
a bunch of folks of a common party or political interest, and instead of letting them have a significant um, um, electoral impact on two or three districts, you'll pack them all together in one district. Well, yeah, it'll, it'll become a slam dunk for that district, but the other two or three districts that are adjacent to it uh, become slam dunks for the other party. Let me just pause for a second here, and for anyone listening who needs the visual, and I do agree it's a visual, you can go to fairdistrictspa.com to see what he's talking about. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, lots of good pictures. And in fact, if you want to, my favorite, partly because I lived there uh, and became very aware of the situation um, while I was there, uh, living up in the Reading area, um, uh, if you if you go to the, the Fair Districts webpage, you'll find uh, the example, sort of the poster child of of gerrymandering at its worst, and it's, and it's uh, Pennsylvania's old district, Congressional District 7. And if you look at that, they just show you a series of pictures, just little outline pictures, from back, back to the 1950s all the way down to um, 2018, when the Supreme Court intervened. And you'll see District 7, which is um, partially in Berks County, but not entirely in Berks County. Uh, back in the 1950s, it looked like roughly kind of like a loaf of bread, sort of cantered up on its side. And, uh, and then it started to uh, transmogrify, uh, almost as if it was some kind of a horror film. And all of a sudden, it's like taking shape. And all of a sudden, it's emerging and, and growing arms and legs and tentacles and outreach. At the end of it, uh, the most recent one before the Supreme Court ruled it unconstitutional, um, it's a district that stretches across um, four different counties, um, maybe five, stretches from down in Lancaster, Divides Burke County up in such a way that uh, Burke, with other con- uh, adjacent uh, congressional districts, uh, Burke's County alone has uh, is, is in different parts of it in four different congressional districts, and Montgomery County adjacent, which is kind of a mirror image of what they're doing in Burke County, has five different congressional districts, and in Burke County and in Montgomery County, not a single one of the federal uh, congressional uh, representatives lives in that county. Wow. Got that? Okay, so Burst County, well, not a very big county, mostly an agricultural county with a big industrial base in the middle. Right. With, with one of the poorest cities, in the, the fifth largest city in Pennsylvania, and, and one of the poorest cities in the country, um, has virtually no real congressional representation. You've got somebody down in Lancaster County who has a little piece of it. You've got somebody up in Lehigh Valley who has a little piece of it. Mm-hmm. You've got somebody down in Chester County who's got a little piece of it. You got another guy way over uh, out in the out, outer reaches of Montgomery County has a piece of it. None of them live in Berks County, and interestingly, none of the congressional representatives in Montgomery County live in Montgomery County. This goes to a fundamental fairness that I think we need in our elections. And when you talk to people, I mean, is this issue just not sexy enough to really, you know, get momentum behind it, or do you feel there is momentum behind it? Um, yeah, I think there's momentum. Um, I. I I think that's a tough question, Pete. It's a great question. It's absolutely, it is the key question because, like, um, if you're walking down the street and you see some guy with a knife chasing somebody, you know, the likelihood of you just kind of turning away and not paying it, of, of doing nothing, I think most Americans, most people, most human beings would do something. They might not go and attack the guy with the knife because that might be a little scary, but they would do something. They right. might scream, they might shout, they might call 911, they might run into a, a... They would do something. They would see something really flagrantly bad and do something. In my mind, gerrymandering is a, a direct, lethal assault on the core principles yeah. of our 
And when I talk with people about this, they go, God, you're right. This is awful. Uh, And so it's like, well, you know, why isn't there more outrage? Why isn't there more concern about it? And that, I don't, I don't really have the answer. I mean, I think um, part of it is gerrymandering itself and a lot of people feeling kind of a, a sense of hopelessness and helplessness that, you know, it's the way things work. You're, you're not going to be able to change it. You know, it's sort of, it, this is Pennsylvania we're talking about a- after all. And the, the culture of political corruption that is uh, reflected in Pennsylvania is, is, is cynically deeply accepted. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to a guy, um, someplace a few weeks ago, I forget what it was, but he was, oh, it was actually at the polls. He was saying that he had uh, recently moved to Pennsylvania, like five or six years before, and he was voting. And uh, he said he'd grown up in New York, and he lived in upstate New York. He said he'd always thought that New York was a really politically corrupt environment. He said, but that's before I moved to Pennsylvania. Yeah. And these people put the, you know, New York to shame. They, 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 they have no shame. Yeah. Um, so there's a culture of political corruption in Pennsylvania that is very, very deep. And um, I think it creates a kind of uh, cynicism and indifference. Yeah, I think that's what happens. People just get callous about it. Like you're saying, they say that that's just the way things are. I think the other thing that happens, though, is indifference to this issue is short-sighted because if you're... You ha- you're a Republican right now in the state, and you're enjoying the benefits of gerrymandering. That can change. Yeah. And so I just yeah, go ahead. It definitely, it definitely can, and it almost certainly will. And that sort of mystifies me. Yeah. Although I will say that there does appear to be um, nothing dramatic, but some indicators that there are some key Republicans in the leadership who are beginning to think, "Whoa, maybe we ought to be paying a little more attention to this." Where in the last time around, the last uh, the last, the last um, session of, of the state legislature, the leadership, the, the House leadership, was was um, uh, ranged between hostile to indifferent uh, to the proposed legislation, and um, and simply uh, illustrated the great power um, of the, um, the the way the, the rules are written. Uh, and this is something we're working on also in fair districts. The rules in the House and Senate are such that. Uh, I don't care how many co-sponsors you have. I don't know how. I don't care how popular a piece of legislation might be, how much support there. If the chair of the relevant committee doesn't want to get out of committee, it'll yeah, never, yeah. it'll never see the light of day. Right. He's right. a virtual autocrat and um, and controls the process entirely. And this is a matter of the rules that are adopted without conversation or debate at the beginning of every session. Um, and so there needs to be rules reform, and there are there are folks in the house. Uh, in the Senate, who, who know there needs to be rules reform, and so we can be hopeful on that. So, uh, looking I, to the future, uh, how do you see the efforts of Fair Districts PA playing out in the next two to three years? Well, there, there are two levels. I mean, a, a friend of mine used to say, "Well, dream in Technicolor." Okay, so if I dream in Technicolor, um, I, I would say that we'll get this legislation passed, um, and we will see the creation of an independent. Citizens Redistricting Commission that will um, do for Pennsylvania what's happening in other states, what happened first in California, and that is to reduce, not eliminate. It is an inherently political process. Right. You get a if you get a commission of um, of citizens who um, are properly selected and who are not um, not not involved in politics, not 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 political people themselves, not elected officials, not members of uh, uh, politician staff, um, 
we can have a process that will significantly reduce the partisanship and um, and and I think result in a fairer set of uh, district lines and a more representative uh, process in, in our elections. Um, okay, so that's dreaming and technical. And I, I'll tell you, I, 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 I'm an optimist or I wouldn't be involved in this. Right, it's a big fight. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it is a tall hill. It is a really tall hill. So what is happening, though, and what certainly will happen and is very encouraging is that the work of Fair District Pennsylvania, just like the conversation you and I are having right now, this is one of hundreds of conversations that are happening in various formats and various fora all over the all over the Commonwealth. Hundreds of them. I think they've been that they've tracked some 750 different kinds of um, public conversations occurring around this. Um, there's a growing awareness. Uh, it's not going to be in 2011 when when the Republicans uh, did the the line drawing in Pennsylvania. Uh, they were able to do it without folks paying much attention. I mean, I, people just weren't tuned in. It was right. long before Fair Districts PA was even in existence. I mean, you had some folks like the League of Women Voters who were paying attention, but there wasn't anything like the organized awareness and 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 reform initiative that there is today. So. No matter how this comes out on the legislative side, um, there is, it will not be possible for the Republicans, who in this case are, are in control of the process, to be quite so cynical and um, outrageous in the gerrymandering. They will certainly try gerrymandering. And heck, as the United States Supreme Court apparently wrote in this decision that came down today, yeah. it's sort of like, oh, well, gerrymandering is a part of the American political tradition. Of course, of course, politicians are going to look out for their own interests when they're drawing uh, district lines. It's a very cynical take on our our electoral system. Well, well I'm just kind of saying the only question is how much, you know, how much is how much, and we're not qualified to say how much is how much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> they just say unless race is involved, you know, if it's a racial matter, then they could intervene. Um, oh, they could have intervened. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Been. But they wanted yeah, to... I mean, but especially... Well, and, and there's just all kind of shit out there. There's all kind of guidance out there. Mm-hmm. I haven't finished reading um, uh, Justice Kagan's dissent, but I imagine Justice Kagan will go over that in, in great detail on sure. uh, what sure. what kind of relief exists and, and, and would be available. Well, so, Lex, uh, we're just about out of time, but I want to thank you so much for the work you're doing out there. Um, I think if you're a Republican or a Democrat, this is really kind of uh, about an ethical situation that people's votes should count and they should be represented fairly. So thank you for your work. I'm going to pass it over to Jeremy now and he's going to announce where you'll be and what's going on. Lex, you're going to, speaking of conversations around the state, we're looking forward to having you here in Chambersburg on Monday, July 8th, correct? That's what's on my calendar. Okay, yep. we will see you at the Coil Free Library, and uh, the community can uh, show up and ask you questions in person and hear your presentation in person. So we're looking forward to that. Again, that's at the Coil Free Library at 6.30 on July 8th. So. Well, thanks for the plug for that. I hope we'll have a nice turnout. And whoever comes, everyone counts, and it'll be a great conversation, even if it's a small one. We'll be happy, happy with the turnout. All right, thanks yep. again, Lex. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Look forward to it.